pulling the rein and you can see them going, I want to go somewhere else. Because they're thinking about the horse not wanting to leave the gate, they're actually not wanting to be at the gate, so they're actually on the other end of the arena. And that's when I go back to what I said before. There's no cocktail bar up there, so why do you want to go up there? The only reason they want to go up there is because the horse wants to be at the gate and they're thinking about it. And that's why you can't think about where your horse is and, and, and you can't think about it as a go. I want the horse to go. You want the horse to listen. You want the horse to understand what you're asking. That's all you want. Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. In today's podcast, we're going to probe Mark's knowledge to enlighten us on helping some very different horses. A dull horse that won't respond to aids, a warm blood who has a fear of men, and helping a worrying, destinating horse. But the first question, Mark, comes from Claudia for you today. And she would like to know how long you work with untrained horses and what is their concentration span? She's seen that in dog training, dogs can lose concentration for maybe after five or ten minutes. And they need practice to extend that time. And when she starts with her younger horses, she tries not to do sessions longer than 15 minutes. Is a horse, an animal of flight, better equipped for longer concentration periods? Um, I'm not, I've not looked into whether they're better at concentrating for longer uh, concentration periods. In, in uh, like I've, I've not read into that whether you know, horses versus you know dogs and stuff have have a different concentration span. I know with the work dogs that we used to have, um, you know, when they were working sheep, they could concentrate for a long time because they were they were doing something that was um, that they were they were very present in and um, you know engaged in. So so you know you could you could sort of work them for an hour and they'd be they'd concentrate. Um, so, and horses are much the same. You know, I've had sessions with horses that you know once they're centered and present. They, they can concentrate for a long time. And it all depends on the level of anxiety in the horse, the, um, yeah, the worry, the, the hard emotions and stuff like that. And, and a lot of young horses, like uh, the, the little horse at the clinic that I'm doing now, like we, he, he was a bit of a like, oh, shiny thing, shiny thing. But that was just because um, that was his mind frame. So, so basically uh, when, when we talk about training horses, we're not necessarily training them to do something. We're training them to think like, uh, think a certain way. So, so the training that you do when you train horses is actually teaching them to concentrate and be more present. It's not, it's not teaching them to do a trick. So, so you start to teach them to do the things like, you know, move over this way or do this or do that after you've, established better concentration so so um then you can actually work a horse for for quite a long time and um i remember ross jacobs saying one day well you know i think someone asked him the same question how long can a horse concentrate and he said well how how, how deep's the bucket of feed uh so so what he meant was you know while the horse is eating that feed um, it can concentrate on that for a long time. It doesn't have to eat a bit and look a bit and eat a bit and look a bit. It can, it can just munch away for a long time. And the good thing about horses is they, they can be sort of 
uh, you know, thinking about something at things that are going on around them and still have their primary focus on, on, on the food, for instance, or the education. Um, and they can also be aware of the other happenings around them. So um, I, I think it's, it's one of those questions that um, the, the answer is the horse can concentrate for a long time. There's no specific amount of time. It all depends on where it is emotionally and if you've got its concentration. So, And, and the thing about the way we teach horses, um, I think uh, some people who have their horses hyper-focused on, on a person, I think that's not healthy for them. So those horses, like I had a question once, um, when I do my in-hand or dressage liberty or whatever it was, um, when I stop, the horse just gazes off. And I, and, and I said, said to her, I said, well, the she probably thought the answer was going to be, should I get distract the horse and bring his thoughts back? And I said, well, don't demand so much of his focus and have his focus just on you when you're working him. Um, education is a horse about a horse changing its thoughts, letting go of thoughts, taking on a new thought all the time. So the horse is interacting all the time emotionally with what's happening. But if the horse focuses on just one thing and has to look at that and focus on that, where's the stick, where's the person, where's their body language all the time, well, that's very intense focus and that's hard on the horses. So the horses that have to focus on one thing with that, all their focus, they're nearly all their primary and secondary focus because they have to be so obedient with their focus. Well, those horses sort of struggle because as soon as you stop, they need to go, oh, God, I'm going to look away and process my environment and everything like that because they can't process their environment as they go. But the, 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 the beauty about horses is if you educate them in the right way, they're processing their environment, processing what you're doing, soaking up everything. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, they can go for a long, long time and be very present and still concentrate on what we're doing because it's not... Um, hyper focused so yeah if you if your education is getting your horse to hyper focus well you, it, it I'd, either, I'd say it's not good for the horse anyway because um you know they're going to be needing a break from that a lot sooner so when you're working let's just keep it to young horses here in this context i think that's what's going to be helpful to claudia but um, when you were starting in horses yourself, was it, when did you decide to end the lesson? Because obviously at some point, um, young, especially young students, humans, horses, they do lose concentration after a while, don't they? They just need a break. Yeah, so that's how why do you, I, um, How do you judge? <clears throat> just so, yeah, so how do I judge? <laughs> it's just one of the hardest questions, you know, I'll have is how do I judge, judge when to stop is, I usually well, it's not a hard question, but it's 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 never a time limit for me. It's never a sort of a, a set like five minutes or ten minutes. It's like, mm. did I make a change? And and if 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 I went in with that young horse to just get that horse to be more present, and that horse was more present, then I'd stand there quietly. And the funny thing about it is, the break is being present and concentrating because a present horse doesn't need that you know, uh, to go off and do something for themselves and then come back like a person. I've got to go and have a cup of coffee and I've got to come back and, well, now I can sit down and take on the information again. So first, when the horse is present, so but so then when you, so once you've got them present, that, that is a, a place that the horse is feeling good in. So they actually, but the present state is the state that the horse learns in as well. And it's the present state that the horse rests in as well. So so that, that that's one of those things that... Um, you know, it's a good place to be. So when you start to add new lessons to the horse, you might do a little bit 
and you kind of know what the horse already understands. So you ask something when the horse makes a change and softens and feels good about that little question, then you stop. Um, but you don't ask, go to the next and the thing and the next thing and the next thing. You might stop for a little bit, give them a little break. And on the young ones, yeah, you, you get a little change in them. How long that takes is not necessarily a five or ten minute thing. You might work on it for sort of half an hour to get a change that, that the horse feels good. And then you stop and give them a, a break. Um, and that break is just, you know, so you're not um, souring them, I suppose. Um, it's not necessarily on they'll lose concentration and then you have to stop. It's they can concentrate quite well, so but as, but but you can cook them and worry them if you're asking too many things and there's too much pressure without clarity. So with with the babies, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd figure out what they already know. I'd, I'd structure something that is just <clears throat> uh, expanding on you know the next thing of where they're already at. Make them feel good about that, or, or, or get some positive responses where they've softened into that response and then stop for a bit do something else maybe go to another horse and then come back because the young ones they do get a little bit bored sometimes and yeah I think they need an emotional break more than the ones that you've spent time with and and, and they can hold that sort of nice present state and not need that a uh, little bit of um you know because the young baby minds are going to be like oh shiny thing over there oh what are they doing over there and, and and I think to give them that time off is good and then bring them back in and do a bit give them some time off so so yeah you're not going to have really long sessions as just grind them and make them sort of just sort of you know shut out and 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 get bored or um you know even even a bit sort of um angry uh you know when they get a bit ratty and a bit snarly because because you know they just need a little bit of a break so but i but i, I don't know feeling is it's a just a feeling of, yeah, I don't, I don't go by the watch. Mm. I don't go by the watch. I just mm. know that that horse needs, is done well, give them a little break, just mm. as a bit of a, you know, giving something back that they can have their own time. It's so important that the horse has their own time to do their own things just like kids, okay? Like, um, you know, they need that break time. Otherwise, they, if they're in the classroom all day, they'd just be, you know, overwhelmed. So it's, it's just that freedom to do their own thing more than just a, a set concentration span. Hmm. It's fascinating. Okay. Um, and Emily has a warm blood, um, who she's, well, she has a few of them, some mares who she's, um, rehabilitating. They're now in basic training, but she has discovered that they're all terrified of men. Have you got any thoughts on how on earth she can help them overcome that fear? Hmm. <laughs> It's it's interesting. Every now and again, you get a horse like that. It's I've I've seen a lot of horses that are supposed to be frightened of men, but actually they um are only frightened of certain body languages and stuff like that. Like I've I've seen horses that are frightened of men, and they'll come up to me and be interested in me and go, "Oh, okay, how are you going?" But then there are others that are definitely go, "Oh, you have the shape of a person and the memory of a person in a hat that maybe traumatised me in the past, and you can feel that in them." But if you if you approach them in a certain way, they start to go, mm, "Maybe you're not that person." Um, the way I, I was thinking about this question when I read it, and I'm thinking, unless you know a heap of blokes to come around and say, "Hey, let's have a you know have a barbecue with our horses and just you know hang around for a while," and we're just, you're just all nice people that the horses can get interested in. Uh, which could be an option, you know. You, you, you know, you just 
bring people into the equation that are men that don't want to do anything to the horse. You know, you can do that. Like, so, like, just like a person, uh, like if they had a bit of a, a brumby that a wild horse that was, you know, really, really sensitive around people, um, you, you just spend time close to, in a proximity around that horse doing other things, picking up, you know, manure in the paddock and walking around and having no real sort of strong focus on the horse until they start to sort of see that, that you as a less threat. And you can do that. You can bring other people in there and and uh, and, and just have other people around that, that are not threatening the horse as, as much. And slowly but surely they'll get closer by just walking past over here and the horse might get curious and recognise that not all men are the same. So, so you can, you know, do that. <clears throat> but what I would do if you... Uh, for yourself, as I'd, I'd start to approach the horse in a different way, um, we have to approach horses to empower them, not necessarily listen to every signal that they offer. So I, I think, um, and, and also, you know, the past training of the, the horse, I wouldn't, I don't know what the past training is, and it could have had it been a high energy training where some some man's come in and pushed that horse hard, and and, and then 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 become petrified. So. I would start to move around the horse uh, more in a more sort of less cautious way, um, but don't don't you can't train a horse like that and go I'm going to walk around with a, a bigger energy, and then I'm going to use my energy to shoot you away and send you around in a round yard or something like that because that would just <clears throat> that would just reinforce the fact that big energy means go away and you don't want to be around them or you don't want them around you, so. You're walking around with big energy and the horse will freeze a little and then as it freezes a little, as you walked up to it with big energy, you might walk away somewhere else and come back again. And you're gonna, you'll see those freezes, but don't let those freezes soften your energy. Uh, otherwise, you know, to, uh, maybe when the horse freezes, don't let it soften your energy, just walk away once. Like he says, I was walking to, walk, so if I was walking to the horse, the horse froze and then, I see it freeze and then as it freezes, I don't change my energy. I just walk off in a new direction, just look in a new direction and walk off in a new direction and come back again and keep approaching the horse with a similar repetitive strong energy until they're like, oh, righto, maybe it doesn't mean anything and it's not. Uh, and then slowly the bubble will get smaller and smaller until you can walk up to the horse with a fairly strong energy and they'll sort of be a little more curious instead of just going, oh, this is a scary energy. And, and so uh, because those sensitive horses... Um, Though they might be frightened of men, I bet you if, if 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 a woman got sort of big in their sort of way and walked around without being very cautious and 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 being the best guru at listening, that that horse would be have its eyes open and be quite wary. So so yeah, I'd, I'd um try and get the horse the horses so they can actually see faster movement, bigger energy is not a threat, and you have to expose them to that. So one day, like I try and say to people, you know, if you keep doing approach and retreat to catch your horse, I mean the subtle approach and treat, the one that you would do with a wild horse uh, because it's a sensitive horse, the horse is training you to be a guru and you're almost feeding the horse's anxiety by being so good at approaching that horse to make it feel good that the horse actually doesn't improve quick enough to handle the you know, the farrier or someone else who has a different energy. So, and when there's a bushfire, there's plenty of people or a flood coming, there's plenty of people that are in a panic, they've parked their float, 
the adrenaline's up, they're running down the paddock to go and catch their horse and the horse goes, no, you have to stalk me and do your approach and retreat because you're threatening me by the way you're approaching me. So, so we have to expose them to, you know, stronger approaches and realise that a strong approach is not a threat. It's, and the horse goes, oh, good day, how are you coming along? <laughs> you look like you're in a hurry, so I'll come up to you and meet you just because, you know, I'm not threatened by your strong approach. Excellent. Okay, I hope that helps, um, Emily. Good luck. It's great to hear that you've, you're able to um, to take on those, those extra horses. I've got a question here from Miriam Mark, which is um, about a horse. There's a little bit of uh, detail in it. Um, she has. She's, she's a little bit new to you, I'm, I'm thinking, and she's had a question about how to get her horse to the other side. She was finding that um, she was pretty sure there was some worry sort of trapped in there and she was wondering how to get her to the other side. But after watching your videos, she's now realizing that her horse is destinating a lot. She's always somewhere else. Um, and so she sort of changed her perspective a little bit, but she still would like some direction of where she needs to go. So I'll fill you in a little bit on this horse. Her horse gets worried by speed or energy and new areas or danger and training that can put too much of an unpleasant pressure or reminds her of unpleasant training memories. She calms down easier from speed than new areas. Um, she can feel that little bit of tension in her when she's riding. So she feels that she has a subtle worry all the time deep down, even though she may be externally calm. So um, she's realized that now that she's sort of seen your video, she can destinate. Um, she is always somewhere else. Clicker training, playful learning and directing the thought is in progress. And she's helping with some issues. She's been trying matching steps and she was puzzled. She didn't run, but she didn't change either. And after understanding destinating, the light bulb has turned on. Um, but have you sort of got any sort of thoughts on what videos she can look at, where she can go to from this mare that she's conscious that if she was to do something big and sort of, um, you know, get get big with the flag or sort of bring her attention around, she's a bit worried that the adrenaline in the mare might get too much for her, that she could suddenly become a horse that's just too big for her um, because she does go into this sort of freeze mode. And so to get her out of that, she's a bit nervous that um, she just doesn't quite have the skill to um, and the timing and the feel to kind of do that in the right way yeah and that's a hard one because um my approach to the horse would be uh do something reasonably big and then help her through it um because she's not a wild horse she's not a raw horse she's a trained horse and by the sounds of it, it's 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 sort of other methods and stuff that's kind of made her worry about pressure and made her paranoid. And that paranoia is making her sort of destinate because anxiety, like I was trying to, you know, explain that separation anxiety is anxiety. So basically the horse won't feel separated if it's not bubbling away with anxiety. So instead of working always on separation anxiety work on why the horse is anxious and and um and why it's choosing to destinate so basically why the horse is choosing to destinate is because it doesn't trust people in pressure so all the connection work the matching footsteps all that sort of stuff will be sort of a way to get her interested and maybe show her that there's some good parts of education which is you know possibly very important for her but at the end of the day, it's the damage that pressure's done that you have to fix as well. Um, you know, 
you have to empower a horse after trauma, not not kind of avoid the trauma. And that's the hardest thing because I've seen horses that have had trauma years ago and people have been poking along and, and, in the, and the horse likes them, the horse kind of comes up to them. It's happy when they're sort of, you know, in a sort of fairly neutral state, but then when they get into certain predicaments of pressure or certain angles and misinterpret things, then they go back to the old, you know, the memory comes back of, of that bad place that they're in. Because they were never helped out of that bad place and they never had an answer, so basically... Um, I like there's a horse here yet, you know, this clinic that I'm just doing at Benalla and a few of them, I, I went big uh, to get them to come out of that place. And that's a hard one because, you know, I don't want everyone to do that either because it, I don't want people to just go, if I can't get it right, I could get it wrong. So I can understand that. Um, so I think you can do it in, in pieces. You don't have to do it in, in a big, big piece, but you can you can sort of trouble her a little bit and then guide her. But the two things you want to be working at a little bit first is understanding how to get her to let go of those strong thoughts so at least you can just sort of distract her. So when I distract a horse, I do something, I create a little shock to distract them. Why I create a shock to distract a horse opposed to, hey, no, not all the time. I'm sorry. I don't want to confuse everyone. A little shock makes a horse shock like that, and they shock a little bit, and then they'll, and then you move a little bit, and the horse will go, well, where are you? What's that? And they'll look for you a little bit, or you'll pick up the feel of the rope. So a shock might be I bang the flag on my leg, and the horse goes, mm, and they'll shock out of that sort of little bit of a gazy thought, it might worry them a little bit, but then all of a sudden you offer them very quickly a feel of a rope or a step back or something so they can sort of, you can get their attention and they'll go, oh, what are you doing? Why it, it works is because the shock is, breaks the, the focus on the horse, the, the hard focus off into the distance, whereas just moving around and pulling is not going to break the hard focus. You've got to do something that breaks the hard focus. Once you've broken the hard focus, there's an availability in the horse of, so they've let go of that thought. Once they've let go of that thought, then they, they, they're, they're available to take on that new thought that you might offer them. So that's when you offer them something, and that something is hopefully going to make them feel better. So it could be, you know, pick up the rope, they look at you, you put your hand out, and they just sniff on you and go, oh, all right, okay, okay, that's not so bad, and you don't ask anything of them. So basically, instead of putting the hand out or getting them to look at you, you first get them to let go of what they're doing. And that's most important. I think a lot of people get a, a focused, a hyper-focused horse and they say, look at me. And I go, well, no, they can't look at you because they're looking over there. They've got to let go of that first. So, so as I say, you, 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 you more effort is put into the letting go of the hard thought. And then the next bit is... That's why you let go of it because there's something else in here for you that's going to make you feel better. So that's 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 just one small way of getting a horse to sort of understand because because the shock it breaks the thought, but it actually there's a bit of a trauma in the shock because they go, oh, what was that? Um, and then and then and then you guide them into a better feeling. So that in itself is a way of exposing the horse to a little bit of a something that could make it think, do I got to run away? But it's not enough to make it run away. It's just enough to break the hard thought. And it might be have to be big enough if the thought is hard enough. But then you have an opportunity to help that horse. So, so that in itself is um, helping a horse make a good decision 
when something happened. And, um, and, and you just be very aware of where their thoughts are and, and, <clears throat> and that they're present. And, and the next thing I sort of do with those horses that have frozen thoughts and, and don't know how to search is once they're a bit softer and they can let go of those strong thoughts out there, then I'll just, you know, there's some videos there of horses that I'm just getting them to look away. So I might just put the flag gently up near their eye and just shake it a little bit. And when they stop focusing on the flag and they look away from it, I'll just take the flag away and I'll do that on both sides until the horse can look away from danger. And, and that in itself empowers the horse a lot because they were kind of frozen around danger and just looked for where the danger was. And when they're not gazing off into the distance, then you say, now look around in here and you'll see them start to look left, look right, look for you. And then they go, oh, right, because their mind is like really stuck. And that helps them a lot too. Like I've had some really good success where horses have kind of just, you know, let go and... Um, and, and, and in regards, you know, the connection work and the matching footsteps, don't don't necessarily worry about matching the, the steps of the horse. Just 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 follow a horse, you know. Like matching footsteps makes people kind of like focus on the feet and kind of try and match their feet. When you follow a horse, half the time you're going to be matching their rhythm anyway. Subconsciously, it'll just happen. So, but just like a bit like following someone quietly, just follow them quietly. You know, if you've got a limp or you got a pony you know, you know matching footsteps to me is a bit like well you know just just follow them along softly and 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 just be calm when you're just traveling along and if there's any interest uh, that they sort of look towards you then you just walk off a little bit and see if you can draw them in like that that's just when you're in the paddock with them or something like that but if they're if you if you're trying to mirror that that horse as they're walking along and they're not and they're just kind of just keep on walking zoning out then you're probably wasting feel, you know, if, you, if you're doing something for quite a long time and there's no change, you don't want to be wasting, wasting the importance of your movements and things like that to a horse that's just blocking it out. So you're best off sort of doing something that's a lot clearer to get her to sort of, um, you know, let go of that, that hard thought. Um, you know, that's why in a lot of training I stand really still around my horses and just don't do anything with my body language because I don't want to waste body language on a horse that's not listening. It's like wasting words on a person that's not even looking out the window. You're just wasting, wasting words. And, and, and I think sometimes we waste a lot of stuff by trying to be really, really good around our horses. And I think, well, you're doing all that, but the horse is not, not even acknowledging it or anything like that, so don't do it. Just the horse, you know, when you're standing really quiet, if you're in a really quiet place and you just let everything go peaceful and quiet. You'll hear every bird, you'll hear everything in the distance, you'll, you'll smell the smells and all that sort of stuff. So the quieter a person stands, the more noticeable they are when the person moves a foot or something like that. All right. And uh, Miriam can look at the destinating videos and the connection disability videos. Um, you'll find some content yeah, in there that the I think you'll find videos, quite helpful. There's any yeah, sorry, sorry, Jenny. Um, any of the freeze videos, like if there's anything about freeze, uh, you know, things like that, you know, that'll all, uh, all help too. So maybe when you just go up on the membership, go to the search bar and type in the word freeze and that will just, just one word is the most effective way to use that search bar and then you can, it'll bring up those videos for you to see and um, there's also a video where Mark was talking about sort of getting them to look away from something. Um, there is definitely a video on that too. So um, yeah, I think you'll find that quite interesting. Um, just trying to open open her up and um, good luck. And I hope you can sort of send us through another question 
in a in a couple of weeks and just see how how the progress has been made. So, but the next question for you um, is from Jenny, and she says, "How can I get my shutdown horse to move off? Other than one rain start, we flax and circle. He's dull to the flag on the ground and in the saddle. In the saddle, we eventually start." when he wakes and wants to eat once going he will jog our track but i have to break it into sections first try not to use the legs because he's very dull to them a crop is the only fast way he also is spooky even at home eating his hard feed so um she's got a horse that's sort of um not responding but then when he responds sounds like he can go um he can be a bit spooky so how can she get him to move yeah, it's a, it's a tough one when they're that that sort of uh, to that state that they're not responding. And I was trying to um, show someone a horse that was gazing off yesterday. When that horse was switched on, it was really soft, but in its past, it wasn't sort of identified. So, but there was times there that I would touch the horse when it was gazing, and and it just didn't acknowledge any of that touch. And you could poke, you could push, but when the horse was present you could touch and 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 they had softness wherever you were touching and stuff like that and and I was trying to show show them how when the horse was blocking out how good it could block out and when it was not blocking out how good it could be centered and present and available um and and to interpret you know the conversation so so with these horses that block out it's um People have to go to big pressure to get them to move, but the, the thing about it is we want movement, we want travel, and we want sort of all that to happen. So we're kind of thinking forward when we're riding them instead of thinking, did you feel that or did you not feel that? Were you aware of that? Where's your thoughts? You know, where are they? Are they somewhere else? Are they just hiding away? So I think it's the general awareness that has to pick up in your horse. It's not about the horse getting the horse to go, and that's – for me, it was a bigger learning curve in the sense of, you know, I say, I have a joke to people. I, I say to them, I say, is there a cocktail bar at the end of the arena, is there? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, why do you want to go over there so much? And it's like there's nothing over there for you to learn, you know, to have. There's nothing over there. So the brace is right underneath you. You're sitting on it, right? Don't worry about where that brace is because it's right with you already. Okay, so fix it. Where, the, where you fix it doesn't really matter. Okay, and, and once people can get that out of their head, they stop wanting to move and go and use the horse as a motor transport. Once you get that out of your head, you have patience. Once you don't, if you don't get that out of your head, you don't have patience. Five minutes, the steam's coming out of your ears. Oh, the horse is still standing here, won't go anywhere. And I'm, oh, I want my cocktail over there. Um, and, and, and I say to people, you know, the, the, um, the, there's two degrees of separation in that. If the horse wants to stay at the gate and doesn't want to go anywhere, you'd be surprised how quickly you thinking about the horse wanting to stay at the gate makes you not want to be at the gate. So, and, and you can see it in people, the way they're going, oh, God, you know, even when they're doing their one rain starts, they're pulling the rein and you can see them going, I want to go somewhere else. Because they're thinking about the horse not wanting to leave the gate, they're actually not wanting to be at the gate, so they're actually on the other end of the arena. And that's when I go back to what I said before. There's no cocktail bar up there, so why do you want to go up there? The only reason they want to go up there is because the horse wants to be at the gate and they're thinking about it. 
and that's why you can't think about where your horse is and, and, and you can't think about it as a go. I want the horse to go. You want the horse to listen. You want the horse to understand what you're asking. That's all you want. And if it doesn't go anywhere, that's, that's not a big problem as long as some of those things it listened to. If you can get that in your mind, when you do a one rein start, you'll actually figure out what the horse needs to do to follow a rein, not just go, I'm pulling to get the horse started, I'm like, like pull start the mower. Um, you're not pull start the mower, you're getting the horse to follow a rein and there's a big difference by a one rein start that's just pulling it to get it to move and hopefully it's going to move after you've pulled the rein than following a rein with awareness and starting to follow the rein with balance. So there's a lot more in it, getting a horse to open up in a one rein start than just pull start. Okay, so, and, and the crop obviously makes your horse move, but what's happening is the crop's going to scare it and spook it enough a little bit to make it aware and go, but you've got to be careful that that worry doesn't carry with that horse out and keep it spooky when by the sounds of it, the horse is spooky. So it's the awakening of the horse and the awareness and the softening and the curiosity and mixed with the right amount of caution that we want to come out in the horse to explore and take on new environments. And if we get forward too quickly, we're taking the the worried, not very confident horse out into enemy territory to spook. So that's why we don't want forward in a hurry because if we get forward in a hurry because we've gone to bigger things and got the horse really listening to our legs and saying, no, you must move off my legs or the stick or whatever – we could potentially throw the horse into the deep end and then we've got a bigger spook later coming that's going to be probably worse than the horse that didn't want to go anywhere. So it's complicated, as you probably just start to work out. It's, 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 um, so when, when you do your one-range starts, you have to have awareness. So that's why there's a, there's a lesson I do when I stand beside my horse and I pick up on the knot under their chin like that. And I pick it up and pick it up and, then, and I just see them go dull and they're not feeling anything and they're just bracing going la, 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 la. I'll, I'll do like a pulse shock and at the same time I'll bang my leg at the same time and I might go like pop like that and the horse will go, and you'll see its eyes go, oh, what was that? And then I just disappear for a little bit and wait a little bit and then I'll put my hand under the knot again and then I just lift and I'll do something like a little shock and the horse will go, oh, what was that? And, and, then, and then you'll start to see them blink, blink, blink and go, oh, hang on, I can't shut out, I can't shut out. Um, and then when you start to pick up on the rope, you'll see the horse awaken a little bit and then you just reward them for awakening. You know, you're just trying to get them to, to sort of say, and, and it would be the same as just touching a horse on the side. If you touch the horse on the side, the eyes are dull and it's just kind of blocking it out, things like that, then you have to sort of do something to say, hey, hey, and you might even just tap them or something like that till their eyes blink and they look around and go, what are you doing? I say, I just wanted to know if you were there. Um, so, so when you're around your horse, you have to work out how sensitive it is, how aware it is, all that sort of stuff. And, and you have to really work on that before you start to, to, you know, try and drag the horse around or kick it up or anything like that, because that's probably, that's probably where the problem lies. Um, so, you know, when you, when you approach your horse and things like that, you have to do it in a different way and, and, and you can't just go and touch your horse. You have to touch it and there has to be an engagement and an actual interaction um, that where, 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 there's, where the horse is assessing you, thinking about you, it knows where you're touching it, all that sort of stuff. So everything in the handling, everything in the way you lead has to be a horse that's 
awakening and present and, and, it, and it's a lot of responsibility for us to sort of be aware enough to notice it. But once we start to notice all these things, we'll start to sort of see where the problem starts, not get on the horse and go, well, I wonder why it doesn't move. And, yeah, so, so there's a whole bunch of things I think you want to be doing to, to help the horse. But in relation to sitting on them and doing the one rein start, don't think about the horse starting, but think about it following the rein properly, you know, getting life up in that rein, moving that foot, stepping over, you know, hindquarter, move over with the hindquarter, things like that. And you can feel that muscles and the life underneath you going, I can shift, I can shift. Um, just yesterday on a horse, I got on a horse that was a gazer, but it would just shut out. And I was trying to help the person by talking to them, showing them, and then I thought, I'm going to have to get up on the horse and have a go myself. And and I held this horse and held it and held it and held it, and it was like, Argh. and then it was kind of, you could feel it start to go, that's not available, that's not available, and then it went and it tried something else, and then and then it let go. It let go of the wall of, because it was a 17- or 18-year-old horse, so it's, it let go of the walls of resistance and brace that was fought pressure all the time, and then all of a sudden it just, the brain popped, and then it just melted and just walked around sniffing the ground and just was like, <sighs> let go of all that tension. But then when you picked up on a rein, it just followed the rein like it was following its best friend. It just went, I want to follow that. I want to follow that. Because it let go of that, I'm blocking, I'm blocking, I'm blocking. And so it's not about moving the blocked horse. It's about unblocking unblocking them. And, yeah, and if you can understand that and, and get through that, then one rein start will mean something. Using your legs will mean something. Um, and the horse will start to have more desire. So, um, Mark, it will come back to um, the intention that we have then ourselves, you know, that if we're sitting there nice and quietly and only, only wanting this one movement or this w one thing to happen rather than getting sort of frustrated and, and um, sort of a bit more demanding, mm -hmm. that has a huge impact then, I'm, t I'm guessing, on how that horse can respond and, yeah. and also yeah, uh, so help it to figure out the right, the right answer. Yeah. So, so basically, in all the people that I see at clinics and horses, the fast nervous horses frighten people the slow horses um make people lose their patience just the most common thing the horse that doesn't want to move the persons of the people are frustrated with the, the horses moving too much the people are like very wary with and scared of when they ride it too different they get angry on the slow horse and they they get self-preservation kind of nervous and they don't want to make much many decisions on the on the fast reactive horse uh, most people feel sorry for the fast reactive horse more than they do the horse that stands at the gate but the one that you've got to look at they're both carrying they're, they're both they just deal with the worry in a different way and you have to feel sorry for the ones that don't want to move the ones that like were deemed as lazy and all that sort of thing people call them lazy it's a bad word because most of them were just lacking confidence and that's like it comes out in that like in the spookiness, you know, in the question, the horse gets spooky when it's out. Well, that's not a lazy horse. That's a horse that doesn't want to go out in mm. enemy territory and it's hiding. So it's, that's why it's not moving. That's why it's shutting in, it's in, in, in internalising everything because why would you want to go out in the shell fire out there uh, and have to spook all the time? So, but the hardest thing is, is saying to someone, this horse is not lazy. It's not lazy. Don't treat it as lazy. And I know, you've, I know that, you know, you want... You know, the question wasn't about my horse is lazy at all, but I'm just giving a generalisation to everybody out there that the horse that's not moving is not lazy. It's usually hiding from something that it's frightened of because it doesn't have a heap of confidence. Mm. 
Oh, it's it, yeah, fascinating as always, Mark. It's I always think these sort of um, trains of thoughts could go on and on and on. And I guess that's why um, you know people come to clinics so they can sort of listen to you all day and and love it. And uh, just for any of you out there, just so that you know, if you weren't aware, our two thousand and twenty four clinics have now been released. So if you're wanting to get to see Mark in person, um, whether it's bringing a horse or coming along and fence sitting, um, you might want to jump on um, if you want to bring a horse and get those last few remaining places that are out there for 2024. He is going to America. He's going to be going to um, four different states in the USA. So um, if you're over there as well, make sure you can um, you know, catch up with Mark. Um, he won't be able to get there. Um, enormously frequently but we do want him to go there a little bit more often so that's Idaho, Utah, Florida, Minnesota and Virginia so um, jump onto our website and, and just and check him out check out those dates. Thank you Mark for just another fascinating um, conversation with you and yeah really enjoyed today's session and we'll see you again next time. Thank you Jenny thanks everybody. You can learn more from Mark and his approach online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. Join hundreds of others around the world making real progress, fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses. There are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven-day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month and you get to ask Mark a question.